what's that one thing? What are you trying to solve? You know, stop selling me something and start solving me something. Find clarity mm -hmm. in that. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marcotte. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Jeremy Marcotte, and I'm here with Matt Rouse. Say hi, Matt. Hello. And today we have Gunnar Simonson. Hi, Gunnar. How's it going? Good. So we're going to get right into it, right? Because there's a lot to talk about and your time is super valuable. So I want to jump in and I talk. I interrupt you before Damn we start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to say, I found a new podcast somebody recommended to me the other day and I started listening to it and like five minutes in, they hadn't like said anything yet. They were still like introducing stuff and BSing and, mm. and just nothing. So yes. Let's start right now. Let's start right now. All right. We're back into it. Welcome. Kind of so, ironic. <laughs> That's oh, right. Isn't it ironic? It Dang is. Dang it. Now it's songs is going to be stuck in my head all day. You're welcome if it's stuck in yours. All right. So you went from being offered $6.25 an hour for a job to fix struggling small business empire. And now you're doing something completely different. What are you doing? Like, how did you, let's start there. How did you start? And then where are you now? What are you doing? Absolutely. It's great to be on the podcast here with you guys. Six twenty-five an hour. That was what I was offered back in 1995 at a bookstore chain here in the Northwest. There's probably at the time, you know, we ended up at like 16, 17 stores, but yeah. Is that Hastings? <laughs> no, no. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it was, it, the, the bookstore chain was actually owned by a local businessman. He has like seven earned master degrees and worth like a half billion dollars. I know half billion dollars. It's really, you know, wow. but seven earned master degrees and owned all of these businesses. And I was just in a place in life. I was 25 at the time. I was really just underachiever in school. And I had worked at the Clark County Fairground doing all these odd right. jobs. And mm -hmm. I said, you know what? I like music and books. I'm going to look for a job here. And they offered me the job for six twenty-five an hour. And, you know, being the negotiator that I am, my just credible negotiation skills, I said, hey, look, if you pay me a quarter more, I'm all yours. And so it's you like know, a thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. They gave me six fifty an hour. I took the job and there I was. And 10 years later, this was so blessed to have the opportunity to be promoted to actually run the entire company. Wow. Along with three other companies that the, uh, that they had, there was a kind of radio stations and everything. And so I was in charge of this chain of bookstores. I was in charge of this gourmet food and gift chain of stores, two wine tasting restaurants, and a hotel in a ghost town. Wow. Shanica, Oregon. And so th there I was 10 years later, I was in charge of all of these businesses. I will always remember the uh, ghost town one, mm -hmm. driving out there for the first time. And they said, you know what, you're going to have a hard time finding people to work for you here because there's uh, only like 19 people that live in the town. Wow. And then they pause and they go, and we've already fired 15 of them. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> and then they paused again and they says, including the mayor. And so they, <laughs> they, they fired the mayor. Now, was oh. it was it a ghost town because everyone had left because from industry dying out or something? Uh, or was I, there actual ghosts? Yeah, some, somewhere in the 1800s, right, right. You know, on the railroad and all of that. But no, it was quite the journey going from, you know, boy, you know, I just kind of like books and music. And, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, let's just jump in and do this and saying I need a quarter more to 10 years later. I'm running these businesses that hadn't had any profit before. Right. I mean, they had lost millions and millions of dollars. And we were so fortunate when we came into that role 
that we were able to identify. We had to fill in some new positions and some new people. I was so blessed to have great people on the team that were amazing at what they did. There's no way I could have done their jobs. But collectively, we were able to take that one main bookstore chain from millions of dollars of losses to a profit in two years. Wow. So we were really came down to taking the margin from 37 to 42% in two years. And so we were just grateful to have that experience. And from that, being able to network with a lot of people in the industry, music, publishing industry and such, over time was able to parlay that. Is parlay a word? Can yeah. you say that? Parlay that into <laughs> doing what I do now, which is a lot of consulting and uh, strategy for messaging and communication for nonprofits, for-profits across the country. Wow. So that's not a small feat, right? You started as low man on the totem pole. If it was a restaurant, you started as the dishwasher. Yeah. And you worked your way up to the general manager owner position, basically. Mm-hmm. That doesn't come from just doing your daily expected duties, right? That's You're going above and beyond in every step of the way there, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I completely wrong and you just happen to luck into it? Completely? Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, flip a coin. I mean, it's just... <laughs> You know, it's, it's hard to say. I look back at that time and, you know, really all I had going, you know, really is I enjoyed the product. I enjoyed music. I enjoyed books and I enjoyed people, you know, I mean, it's just being passionate about people and just meeting people where they are and just enjoying what you do and just going at it, bringing your best every single day. Now, did I know I was doing that at the time? Absolutely not. And so how did I land there 10, you know, 10 years later? I mean, I, that's something that I've spent a lot of time in trying to, what, what does that look like, you mm-hmm. know, and just growing up. I mean, most of the jobs I had, I think, didn't even exist before I had them. So they were just making new jobs. Right. And, and we were growing and expanding, and I tried to treat people with respect and well and just do the best I can. So that's something hard. that you've talked about before is that people have something special about them. And, you know, you need to walk in their shoes. And you just said it, you meet them where they are, right? Mm-hmm. So is there something that you do or that you listen for, or is it just kind of something that comes with practice in meeting people where they are and filling their shoes? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think over time, I think it's just a, it's a focus, you know, I think we live in a, a society nowadays, right, where you talk about cause and effect. I mean, we treat the effect as if it's the cause. We wonder why there's never any change, mm. right? I want to meet people where they are, you know, regardless of the effect of their actions or whatever else. I want to, I want to have empathy, you know, I mean, I've been given, you know, looking back at my career, I've been given a lot of grace in my life, mm-hmm. you know, and I need to do the same for others. And I, you know, people are already hard enough on themselves, beating themselves up. I want to meet people where they are, you know, and say, hey, look, you matter just the way you are. Mm-hmm. And so I think for time, it just comes down to focus. It's how we view ourselves, you know, and how we view the world. And, you know, I can't change the world, but maybe I can change the world for one person. Right. You, you can't know? change the world, but you can change someone's world. Yeah. I think that's a great way yeah. to look at it. Well, you talk about treating the effect and not the cause. What would be an example of something like that? I have no idea. <laughs> no I mean, idea. it felt great to say that, right? <laughs> right? But, you know, it well, sounded fantastic. So I yeah. guess if I had to describe that, I would mm-hmm. say a lot of times we look at somebody's work and we judge them based on the work that they put into the world, but yeah. we don't judge them based on all the effort it took to create that work. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It happens all the time, right? Yeah. And people talk about overnight success, yeah. right? And what there are the 10 yeah, years before that. 10 years overnight. before yeah. that. We talk about that on the podcast all the time yeah. is our agency didn't come out of nowhere, yeah, right? Absolutely. And even though it did, right? It yeah. came out of nowhere when 
Scott and I started learning how to do stuff in the 90s, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then we built up and worked on our businesses together and then merged them five, six years ago. And now we're where we're at Absolutely. with no funding and no anything. We bootstrapped it from nothing. Yeah. But, you know, when we put out work now, yeah. people go, well, why do I have to spend this much money to get this thing? Yeah. Because it only took you two weeks to get it done. Well, yeah. it took us two weeks to get it done because we spent 20 years learning how to do it. That's right. Right? Yeah. It's the Absolutely. Picasso effect, right? Yeah, but I think right. even even with that, even it drilling down further from just you know how that applies to you know business and your story and what went on in the behind the scenes to get you where you are. I mean, just from a human level standpoint, in our culture with social media and Twitter and all of that, I mean, we see the effect of a lot of things in this world. We see yeah. the effect of a lot of hurt in people's hearts, mm-hmm. and I think that you know we see the effect of it, and it can be offensive. It can be a lot of things, and there's a lot of things that consequences that come with that. But until we are willing to drill down to the cause, what mm-hmm. led to that effect? We're never going to see change, you know? And so that's where I go with that. Right. Just where my journey has gone, where I try to meet people where they are. is just everybody's got a story. If I'm a business owner today, you know, I want to get to know why people are coming to work. I want to know what's going on in their heart. I want to, I want to meet them there and you know, walk with people on that journey. I heard somebody recently talk about drilling down the why. Mm-hmm. Right? Because asking somebody, okay, Matt, why do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. What's your why? Because I know that at the end of the day that I am supplying something to businesses for them to supply something to their customers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm basically helping my customer's customer. Right. So I have a huge impact when you take all of the people's whose families and livelihoods actually depend on my work every day, mm-hmm. it's important. Right. And then, so the, the person that I heard the talk from, they drilled down even farther than that. Okay, that's great. That's your why for your business. But why do you specifically do that? And then it goes in and you, you ask it like five levels deep yeah. and find the actual core why. Yeah. Because when it boils down to why do you do what you do, yeah. my why is I do what I do for my wife and my son. Yeah. Well, it's the Cinderella like Man. Remember that yeah. movie with Russell Crowe, right? It's like, yeah. how in the world is this guy all of a sudden winning these boxing matches, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he found out what he was fighting for, right? For the milk. And for me, that whole what's your why thing has really changed over the last few years. You see the Simon Sonic video of like, what's your why? Mm-hmm. And that's great. Everybody, you know, like you said, everybody's like, what's your why? What's your why? What's your why? But for me, what I've found in my journey the last few years, we can get into that as well. And things that I did post-business, you know, there's right. like a wild right. last decade of traveling the world and doing all kinds of things. But, but to me, it came down to as long as your why is tethered to a false sense of your who, you're never going to find lasting satisfaction. So to me, what I went on this journey that I've been on is, you know, I mean, I've been living according to everyone else's life and, and right. everyone else's who, right? So it's, it's kind of very Dr. Seuss, isn't it? Right. Like but there's a disconnect there. But yeah, but my why was tethered to not who I am. Who am I meant to be on planet Earth? What's my purpose in life? And maybe that comes with age, right? Mm-hmm. You were talking right. earlier about this quote from Richard Rohr that the first half of life is, you know, we write the text. The second half is we write the commentary. You know, I'll be 50 in April, you know, turning that corner of mm-hmm. reflection and who am I? You know, and when I can attach my why to who I am and what I'm meant to be and who I'm meant to be on planet Earth, that's my lane. That's the one hat that I'm going to wear. And I'll tell you what, there's satisfaction in there that, you know, no six paycheck or whatever right. else or, you know, whatever you want to do in this world materialistically could ever, mm-hmm. ever, you know, pay for. 
And so that's been the journey that I've been on. So let's talk a little bit about your journey, right? Well, there's there's something there about turning the corner on like a decade and stuff. Like people say, oh, it's just another birthday or it's yeah. just another day or whatever, but it's not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because what are the three ages that most people do marathons? Hmm. 29, 39, and 49. Yeah. Really? And then everything else is like way less people. What if we haven't ever ran anything close to a marathon? So maybe it's your first couched 5K or something. Usually you do it when you're about to get the next decade older. I can make it to the couch like no. When you're turning 30, you're turning 35, you're turning 40, you're (laughs) turning 50. You know, that's when people kind of start to get that itch that they got to like, maybe I need to find more purpose in life or... Can and I do this? I mean, most people. I mean, there's yeah. lots of people who don't do shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, sometimes but you, you get a wake up call right. too, you know. Yeah. Like, and from what I had a couple of years ago, I mean, I, I ended up in the uh, the ER uh, in August of 2017, and it was it was a wake up call for me, you know. And just I was, you know, I, I just I had a lot of stuff on the inside that I hadn't dealt with, a lot of hurt and pain and, and stuff that affected my business, affected a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I came out of there, you know, at the time, 47 years old and 49 now, and just had a renewed passion for this. I had this awakening of, I had four goals that I'd set coming out of it. And I was talking about that earlier. Number one was to get healthy, stay healthy. Number two, get my finances in order. Number three, find meaningful work where I can use my experience and my passions and skill. And then number four was to do baseball games for Beaverton High School and just announce for them. That's what my goals were, you know? And since then we've dropped 70 plus pounds, Wow, kept it off. Last year did 10,000 steps a day for every day of the year and just did 100 days of workouts, you know, and so getting healthy, staying healthy, just paid off all my debt. You know, I'm able to do meaningful work for, you know, clients that are working with people within the rare disease community and chronic Mm -hmm. illnesses or whatever, a lot of causes. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing baseball games. That's awesome. When you lower your overhead in life, you sure have a lot more choices. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we run, my wife and I, our family, we run very thin overhead. Yeah. I mean- our total expenses are probably under a few thousand dollars a month total, yeah. right? And we have a family and everything, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I don't think by any means do we live poorly, yeah. right? Yeah. Lots of people have houses they can't afford filled with stuff they don't need yeah. and, you know, cars they can't afford in the driveway, yeah. right? And downsizing is our biggest thing. Like every time we have this fight over like birthdays and Christmas and everything in, and it's why are we going to buy more stuff when we're trying to get rid of the rest of the crap that we already have? Yeah, the garage is already full. Wow. And I don't even have that much stuff here because I didn't move to the United States until 2001 and I didn't bring anything with me except a computer and a suitcase. Yeah. So. Boom. Yeah. And and yet we collect so much. You know, I just sold a, a house that I lived in for you know over twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, people buy a house and they buy a bigger I, house to yeah. fit more shit in. And yeah. then when they can't fit it in, they get a storage place. Yeah, I need five bedrooms so I can right. use three of the bedrooms to use as a storage space for crap you never and, used. You know, I, I left this house. <laughs> I left this house, and it was like I think I took six things with me. Mm. I had I took six things with me, you know, my record collection, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, a TV, you know, my bass guitar, you know, golf clubs. And um, I, I don't remember what the fifth <clears throat> one was. Maybe yeah. silverware. I don't know. Did you ever see that documentary, Minimalism? Yes, absolutely. so good. Now, so it's good. so good. But you know what I, you know, what I found on that, especially when you're climbing the li- ladder of you know business success and things like that, that we can get you know so obsessed with things that it really does become almost like an idol that we get lost in that. We allow it to define who we are. And that was right. my challenge. You know, to be honest with you, when when my time in those businesses came to an end. It was my identity was wrapped around what I did, Mm -hmm. my what. And when that's gone, boy, we're lost. 
You know, how many times you even talk to someone who's like, you know, maybe they were a CPA their entire career and that was their identity. They retire and they're like, what in the world do I do now? Right. And so for me, I went from that to like almost really the last decade just trying to figure out who I was. For me, by the grace of God, I was able to connect with some amazing people and was invited to travel all over the world and speak in places like Beirut and Hong Kong and Malaysia wow. and all these places, uh, Dubai, and speak on the psychology of social media and things like that. I don't even know what that means anymore, but it was fun. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was just always trying to find who I was mm-hmm. and find my identity. Who's my who? And... Uh, it's an amazing journey, but I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, I sold my house, I got six things I took with me. And what I found was, is all that stuff that I'd stored up over time, it was really just a reflection of what I was holding on to on the inside of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, my whole goal now is to travel lightly. You know, when I work with clients or I work with businesses or whatever else, let's just remove all that clutter that we hoard on right. on the inside and let's live our best life now. Let's give our best to our vision, our mission, and the people that work for us. So you said something that it's it's a little bit of a squirrel, but I want to touch base on it anyway. Well, so they say the stuff you own ends up owning you. Right. That yeah. was from Fight Club. So there's a new. <laughs> you know the first rule of Fight Club. Anyway, that's right. All right, I'm ready. Go we ahead. don't talk about it, we but I'll fight. And now a quick break. Digital Marketing Masters will be right back. Are you ready to stop grinding and start making an impact? Are you tired of working long hours and not growing your business? Get Matt's new book, Flattening the Hamster Wheel, on Amazon now. Just go to hook2.us slash hamster. That's H-O-O-K-T-O dot U-S forward slash H-A-M-S-T-E-R. So there's this new kind of movement going on where millennials, people look at them with a negative context, but I I love it. Uh, I am one, right? So millennials are starting to not really own a lot of things. Mm -hmm. They will rent things. They will rent cars. They will rent office space. There are now places where you can rent all of your furniture mm-hmm. and you don't ever really own it. That way, if you need to pack up or you need to just go, you grab your closest things, your six things, mm-hmm. and you peace out and you go to the next town and you do whatever you're going to do, right? Yeah. So the owning a lot of stuff for the younger generation now mm-hmm. is kind of not as big of an issue for a lot of them because they, they well, I have think that's the, going to take a turn and I think it's a turn that nobody has really seen coming so let me back up a step for you do it why do baby boomers have so much crap there's a good reason depression right? the great depression their parents were in the great depression and yeah. they were kids then yeah so then when they got older yeah when they could actually afford stuff they yeah. bought it all yeah right yeah and then they don't want to get rid of any of it because yeah. it's mine because they didn't have anything when they were young yeah so now you got millennials who have grown up and like Gen Z people who are growing up now who have $150,000 of debt from going to school. Yeah. They mm-hmm. can't afford anything. Mm-hmm. Jobs don't pay as much as inflation. You know, they got to have three people living in a house that each have two jobs to afford the rent. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen when they start to make more money? They're going to buy a bunch of crap. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I think it's coming. I think we're, we're still in a sharing economy. We're moving more towards There's a sharing There's also such cheap economy. manufacturing now that... Yeah. I mean, stuff is, is throwaway garbage now. When's the last time that you bought something that you think, man, I'm going to keep this thing for the rest of my life? It's um, going to last. It's been a while because mm-hmm. now I have 3D printers and I just print what I want. That's true. So, But mm-hmm. that stuff's not going to last the rest of your life. No. It'll last three to six months in a landfill and then it will biodegrade. That's yeah. right. 
but at least it'll biodegrade. Well, this is <laughs> like you know what I'm really saying, right? Like, <laughs> I'm stuck on your question no, now. Like, I mean, when was the last time right. something I bought that I'm going to be everything like, you buy right now? Right. Like, unless maybe it's a, a, an expensive musical instrument yeah. or a very valuable, you know, vehicle or something. I mean, they're all made to break down in five less to ten, ten years. Five to ten years, right? Yeah, you're right. And like. Clothes are manufactured. It costs this shirt that sells, I don't even know what it sells for, 20, 30 bucks. Yeah. Probably cost a dollar to make in China, Absolutely. right? Yeah. It costs more to ship it than it does make it. Yeah. You know, so everything is throwaway now. Yeah. So when everything's disposable, what are you going to keep? A bunch of crap. But it was, it's always <laughs> interesting, though, you can say that, though. It just being, for me, you know, I, I, I mean, this is this is a great conversation because for me, coming out of where I've been over the last 49 years and just paying off all my debt and selling a house and just really taking a few things. I mean, mm-hmm. the golf clubs were, my, you know, a couple of the irons were my dad's irons, you know, that right. I grew up playing golf with my dad, sentimental value, right? I was just in Arizona with my girlfriend going through her mom's trailer. Her mom had just passed away a couple of months ago. What do you take? If you got an hour, what are you taking? And it's interesting for me now being on the other side of, of debt-free and all of that is like, you know, how I spend my money. You know, I remember having lunch with the guy that owned those bookstores and everything else right. worth half billion dollars. And he took us all to lunch and he sat there for about, you know, literally five minutes with two pennies in his fingers. And he was just like kind of doing this thing on the table and he was thinking, what kind of a tip am I going to leave? And it just gets me thinking about how am I going to spend my money? I mean, when I buy stuff now, it's like, no. I mean, when I went through all of I mean, I went through like seven or eight dumpsters getting rid of my house. Mm-hmm. It's like, I haven't, I haven't thought about that item in Six months or more. Right. Gone. Yeah, we donate like half our house. Yeah. Marie Kondo, that shit. More. Does it bring you joy? No. Right. Toss it. So, so here's another thing. So kind of along stuff. the same lines. I was at a person's house. They're in their probably mid to late 60s, yeah. right? They got a broken toaster sitting in their room, wow. like in, in like a spare room, yeah. right? And I'm like, yeah. why do you have a toaster in the <laughs> other room? They're like, well, it broke. And I'm like, so why is it here? They're like, well, I might fix it. Yeah. Like, mm. number one, you're never fixing a fucking toaster, right? No. It's just not going to happen. No. And number two, you already bought a new one, and it yep. costs like $10. Yeah. Yep. So Coffee pot. I know somebody with coffee Yeah. Pot. So a toaster <laughs> used to cost $10 when money was a quarter of the price it is now. Yeah. So, I mean, you could buy four toasters for the value of the one that you just got rid of. So, so why Recycle it. Yeah, get rid of it. Yeah, throw it in the recycle bin. Somebody will melt it down and turn it into $10 toasters. But, see, but it's so interesting for me in all of this. I mean, for me, just for me in my journey— what I found was that all of that stuff, it was, it was a it was a direct reflection of what was going on on the inside of my life. You know, for me, I always say you can't outrun on the outside what you're fighting and battling on the inside. It's always going to metastasize itself one way or another to the outside. And to me, it was almost like as I was getting rid of all of this stuff, I was right. at the same time letting go of a lot of stuff on the inside. That's the stuff that keeps us, I think, from purpose, keeps us from success, keeps us from really identifying who we are. And, and how we can really be living a life on purpose. It's the stuff on the inside that we gather and we hoard over the over over life. And so to me, I always look at right. it from that perspective. You know? Yeah, and you do want, like, what is your identity actually tied to? And that's, yeah. that's a big question. Yeah. And it's a question that's hard for people to tackle. Absolutely. Because well, especially nobody if likes you, reflection, right? Well, so there's a lot of, well, I, I mean, I wouldn't say nobody likes reflection. I'd say people reflect all the time, but what they do is they trick themselves. They say questions like, am I a good mom or am I a good father or, you know, these kind of things. And they, and they, and they kind of surface level it. But they don't go like, who am I? And yeah. they say, well, like I could say, I'm a marketing guy. Yeah. And, you know, I like the Hillsboro Hops and I'm a Hops fan and, yeah. and whatever, right? And that could be your identity. But when those things like 
when your team switches cities and you get a new job, now you have no identity left. Uh, so there better be a lot more to you than uh, your sports your team and your work. Your right? what can't be tethered yeah. to your who. We, we have, have to, to write have like children's books here. We could. That's right. Books. But you got to have purpose. You got to know who am I. And, you know, that's a lifetime of journey. I mean, that takes reflection. It takes a lot of willingness, you know. I mean, I think so many, for me, it took finally getting to a place of being willing to look at my blind spots. I mean, I think you look at business leaders and things like that. We all have blind spots. Right. But if we can identify what those are and get them out of the way, boy, could you imagine how much more we can accomplish? And how well, and much there's more? that reverse thinking idea is instead of saying, how can I get my company to make more money? It's where are the things that I'm not seeing that are going to ruin me? Yeah. And that's how you avoid getting wiped out by things like innovation. Yeah. You know, And people throw the word innovation around yeah, all the right. time. Innovate this and we're yeah. going to innovate that. Yeah, no, you're not. You know what an innovation is? Yeah. Innovation is when AI met big data and that's what wiped out taxis. Yeah. It's just because it's called Uber or Lyft doesn't yeah. make any difference. Yeah. It was everybody has a device in their pocket that has GPS in it. We have the data and we have an AI that can figure out how to map mm -hmm. the routes and, and assign all the drivers. Mm -hmm. Somebody put those three pieces together, that's innovation. Boom. You know what's not innovation is saying we should have a new promotion to sell our thing to more people for $10 less or something. Yeah. That's not innovating. Not I mean, that's it's just crap because they don't have any idea what they're, where they're going next, yeah. right? Yeah, I think what we need to do is we need to have innovation of, of how we think. Right. You know, I mm -hmm. mean, just how many business owners that I've spoken what's to. What's your purpose you know, of your business? Your purpose, you know, what are you trying to solve? You know, what is it? You know, what, I was talking to these guys from Nike the other day and the Jordan brand and just doing the whole conversation about what's that one thing? What are you trying to solve? You know, stop selling me something and start solving me something. Find clarity mm -hmm. in that. But yeah, we need, I think we, you know, for me, it just came to a place of an innovation of how I thought and how right. I viewed myself and just opening up the window, so to speak, and let the bad air out. I had to get, let go of a lot of stuff to free me up so that I can uh, live my life on purpose and use what I've been given. And being honest with yourself about what your business is yeah. or isn't, yeah. right? And what you're talking about. Like, I mean, you look on LinkedIn, yeah. just go through a few of the people following you on LinkedIn, click on their profile, yeah. and you'll see somebody who does something like, We'll use toasters again as the same example. Yeah. So let's say they make toasters. Yeah. They're like, man, I'm passionate about getting toasters into the hands of, of you know, consumers or whatever. No, yeah. you're not. You yeah. don't give a shit yeah, about toasters, toasters yeah. right? You know, if you were honest about it, you'd yeah. be like, I'm trying to make the best toaster there is that will last more than five years instead of the $10 piece of garbage they have on your counter right now. Absolutely. That would be a, a why. Absolutely. And people would get on board with that. Absolutely. And now you could sell a toaster that cost $10 to make instead of five, but yeah. you sell for 50 instead of 10, and now you're making 40 bucks a toaster yeah. instead of five. And when we play that other game, we end up just in a place of just desperation all the time. Right. Like we're always chasing relevance. And you can smell you know, desperation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and you just, we are, because in, in its mission drift and everything else, right? Mm -hmm. and we were, you know, if, we, if, if I got to play connect the dots. And then it's sort by what, price. Yeah. And, and then if, you're not the cheapest, and you, your company goes out of business. And if I got to play connect the dots with your business and what you offer, and it's like anything more than like two dots, on the mm -hmm. thing like that, then maybe, you know, if I'm scrolling my phone 72 feet a day, I'm lost. You know, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. And I think that starts not only just the business, but it starts with just ourselves. Who are we? And somebody needs to care do? about your brand and your message because otherwise you're just another nameless, faceless listing on Amazon or whatever yeah. website it is, right? Absolutely. So here's a perfect example. And we talked about this, I don't even know how many episodes ago now. If you were to, let's say you want somebody, you got, you buy another house, you want somebody to come mow your lawn, yeah. right? Uh -huh. So you type in lawn mowing Beaverton, if you live in Beaverton, right? Yeah. 
and you go down the list, you click the first one, yeah. right? And you call them or you tap it on their phone and it calls them and nobody answers. So you hang up, you go to the next one, you click it and they answer the phone. You say, hey, can you come mow my lawn, right? And they yeah. go, okay, yeah, it's 50 bucks a week or whatever. And you okay. go, okay, hang up, you call the next one. They're like, oh, it's 45 a week. You're like, all right, come over to my house. That's it. Yeah. You don't care about their brand or like who they are, if their logo looks nice or any of that Kenmore crap, right? Yeah, or, yeah, a lot Kenmore, of times you're not yeah, even getting Kenmore, to their, yeah. yeah, you don't even, you're not even going to their website. You're yeah. clicking it on Google, That's right. right? But if in those listings that came up to the top one, yeah. one of them was like landscaping company that supports the Hillsborough or Beaverton Schools Foundation, yeah. mm-hmm. and you click that and they go, you know what, we're $55, yeah. but 10% of all of our proceeds go to the Beaverton Schools Foundation. Huge. All right. I'm going to use that guy. Absolutely. Right? Because I'll pay 10 bucks more. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely. I mean, that's because of that, that heartfelt need, that cause, right. that, you know, that common, you know, thing. And now you know they're huge. local. And yeah. It's definitely worth the extra $5. Absolutely. Know? Just don't have the blade too tight on the lawnmower. Because sometimes yeah. you can, like. You don't bump. shear the grass off. <laughs> <laughs> shear it. That's the word I was trying to think of, right? So. My neighbor, his family owns a landscaping company. This is totally off track. But the HOA has a, a lawn service that comes through. And. They're supposed to do their job. They don't. He finally gets fed up after, you know, six to eight weeks of them not doing what they're supposed to do. He comes out on Saturday and brings his equipment home and spends a half an hour and does everything that these guys were supposed to be doing over the last weeks. And I'm like, you finally got mad enough, huh? He's like, yep. Don't know why we pay these guys. And again, it's the shopping price thing. Because yeah. we talked to the HOA, mm-hmm. and we're like, yeah, well, they were the, the cheapest. I'm like, sometimes the cheapest isn't the best. Yeah, you know, and, and maybe you want to have a better experience and get better results by getting better things, not necessarily by just going shop by price and getting the cheapest one. That's right. Because then you're going to get the cheapest one. So that, yeah. that goes to me and the, the and kind of the shift that we're making. How do, they, how do they make it the cheapest? Yeah. They cut corners. Yep. Shave edges. Yeah. They do shady tactics with their business. They mm-hmm. underpay employees. They do all these things, right? Right. That's how they make it the cheapest. Undocumented workers will take less money. But so that kind of brings me to a shift that we're kind of making in our house. Instead of buying things, we're buying and paying for experiences. Right. Mm. Because the things as we get older that we're noticing is time is finite. Yeah. You only it get is. one life to live and you're not going to make it out alive. Mm-hmm. Right. So the stuff may bring some people joy. Yeah. But 10 years from now, you're not going to remember sitting down and playing with this brand new gadget the first time, you know, and how good it made you feel. Mm-hmm. But you'll remember that, let's say, Broadway show that you went to yeah. where you were sitting up close and you saw the feet painted on the bottom, the monkey feet painted on the bottom of the actor's shoes. Mm-hmm. You'll remember the details like that until you're old and gray. Yeah. But you won't necessarily remember that new gadget or whatever it is, the new thing that's in the trash now or has been for years or whatever the case is. So spending or investing in, I should say, experiences. Or things to make experiences, right? Right. So I like to play Dungeons & Dragons. It's not not a surprise to anyone. But I'm a huge nerd, right? So I'll spend 50 bucks on a Dungeons & Dragons book, right? Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. we're going to get the next hundred hours of play out of that over the next however many years, Mm -hmm. right? What I'm not going to buy is like the machine that toasts the hot dogs and the buns at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds like a brilliant idea, but you know what? I don't have a hot dog creating problem. (laughs) Right. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, that's that's a, you know what you just said there. It just it, it just reminds me of the old question when we 
looked at the P&L statement for these businesses that had lost millions of dollars, and we were, like, building the budget for all of these stores. And then the P&L statement, building that budget, was, like, right. 70 pages long. Oh, my God. I mean, every store, and, you know, and you got to, you know, if you tweak this here, it impacts, you know, this P&L. I remember one of the, the lenses we applied to it that really helped us get on track was, that it was, is this a luxury or is this a necessity? Mm. Is this a luxury item or is this a necessity item? You know, and, and, and we have to ask that of ourselves personally. But we started asking that, you know, when we were looking at what are we going to, you know, allocate money towards? You know, is it a luxury? Is there a necessity? Now, in some cases there, right, it's a D&D, right? right? And this is something you're passionate about. It's fun. You're doing it together. You know, I mean, that's something we all should be able to do that right. and enjoy that. Have I mean, something to bring people together. Yeah, it doesn't mean time's great. you don't deserve luxuries and things like right. that. But I think breaking it down there on, on, on for so many businesses, right, when we're looking at, you know, how do I how do I get to profitability? You know, and we look at our P&L statement, our budgets, and we go, my gosh, really? How many luxury items right. do we have there? You know, instead of just like, let's just this major in the majors, let's do well with the necessity. Right. You know, and so I mean, that just kind of rabbit trailed me to that thought. Well, when you look at businesses now, especially, I mean, when you get into the larger businesses, you know, say five million revenue plus, yeah. then you're looking at their budgets, yeah. right? And 15 years ago, maybe they were, 11% marketing budget, 14% yeah. marketing budget. Yeah. Now that doesn't even cover the marketing software budget, no, right? No, They're like 30% marketing and software budget. Yeah. And then when right? they do afford the marketing budget right. and the software budget, right? Then it comes like, how do I even translate what I'm getting? Right. You know, it's like, okay, I got the software because every someone told me I had to buy it, but mm -hmm. then I have yeah. no idea how to read data. And then they've got 10,000 pages of data with two people that are supposed to read it who have no training. Yeah. And... You know, well, like, what are you going to get? You know yeah. how easy it is for me to find a graph that goes up and to the right? Yeah. I can find it in anything. Yeah. You know? You can Absolutely. literally search graph that goes up and to the right. Yeah. Like, I mean, Nailed most it. software, you can just type it in, right? I mean. And yet through all of that. <laughs> tell you and that. yet through all of that, it was about a month ago that I saw there in a paper bag on the you know front doorstep of my girlfriend's house. And it, it was a Yellow Pages. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, luxury, wait, these people are still that, around. Does that fall into the necessity or luxury item of budgeting? Right. Neither, uh, right? Neither. I think that falls well, under the fire it, starter. Yeah. It depends on the cost, right? Yeah. So if you could get in there for hundred bucks now, it's, yeah, it's probably worth it. Yeah. You know, if you're going to make more than hundred bucks a customer, but yeah. If it's still ten grand, it's not worth it. And target right? audience. Yeah. And who's still using it? Yeah. If mm -hmm. you, but I mean, you could target those people on MSN network for. Uh, hundredth of the price anyway. Yeah. So, you know, because that's where they are, right? That's exactly right. So, and so that MSN, is, Yahoo, MSN, mail. Yahoo. Yeah. Am I doing like a plug here or something? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, <laughs> is, right? Anyway. So, so you know how the, the how they sold the yellow pages originally, okay. right? Is they go to a place like a pizza place, yeah, and they'd say, hey, you should buy a half page in the yellow pages, and the pizza place would be like, why? Yeah. Because I'm already in the white pages, and yeah. people already call me. Yeah. And they go, well, we're gonna put in a yellow phone. When this phone rings, yeah. right, you know that it came from our ad. We'll put the ad in for free. We'll put the phone in for free. I'll give you the phone. I'll pay the phone company. I'll set it all up. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is answer the phone, yeah. take people's money, and give them the pizza. Yeah. And they're like, sure, okay, we'll try it out. Absolutely. So they put the ad in the yellow pages. The yellow phone rings off the hook. Yeah. And then the salesperson comes back 60 days later and says, hey, you know what? I'm here to take the phone out. Yeah. And they go, no, 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 don't take the phone. Yeah. That's where all my money comes from. That's exactly right. right. They go, well, you're going to have to pay for the yellow pages yeah. now. <laughs> and what happens with the white pages when I've, right. I've heard time and time again stories of people that their number is always just one digit off pizza places and they're always right. getting calls they're getting from the calls. white pages. 
And so, I mean, literally, I got a friend. He's like, after a while, he started taking orders. Right. <laughs> he said, I want to order a large, you know, pepperoni. Right. And be like, yeah, I'll be there in three minutes. Now you'd be minutes. on Grubhub or something. <laughs> Boy, if you could do that now with like Venmo or Zelle or anything like that. That's oh, right. geez. That would just be horrible. Anyway. You'd need to live in a different country. Yeah. And then the yellow page ads got more and more and more expensive yeah. until the internet came along. Yeah. And then they were worthless, yeah. right? Because everybody yeah. started looking them up on the internet. It didn't happen like, it wasn't like, click, now they're worthless. Yeah. It's like, no one that I can even think of now would even think of opening a yellow pages, even if they knew how to find one. Yeah. I pick it up off my porch and I put it in the recycle bin. I don't yeah. even look at it. Yeah. Right. But now you have to be on, like, first it was SEO, right? Yeah, so yeah. you need search optimization to get to the top of yeah. the, quote, yellow pages, which is now Google, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then it was ads, so I got to get pay-per-click ads. Yeah. And then the ads are an auction, so now one pizza place is going to pay more than the other pizza place who's going to pay more than the other pizza yeah. place. And then it's just more, 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 more money yeah. until somebody's making all the money or somebody can, you know, have large enough scale to afford the ads and everybody else can't. Yeah. And, you know, something is going to replace that, right? Just like everything else gets replaced. Absolutely. That's a good segue, I think. So with that, our primary audience is businesses and small business owners, yeah. right? All over the world. Yeah. And we're talking a lot today about how to find your why and find your who, right? Because they're not mutually exclusive, but you need to know. Yeah. And you can't tie your why to a false sense of you, you yeah. know? We talked about that. So you do a lot of talking. You consult businesses all over the world and everything like that. And I want to give our listeners something that stops and make them think, right? So what's one or two of the things that you would ask if you were sitting down with a business owner to help them kind of drive to that answer? Yeah. I mean, I think of, and it's always a loaded question, right? Depending on the day or Definitely. hour that I'm asked that question. But, you know, I keep on going back to the fact that my voice just cracked there. It's very <laughs> Peter Brady-ish, <laughs> right? right? A little bit. When it's time to change. Um well, I, I think that, you know, for me, it, you know, getting back to really that uh, it, it comes down to clarity and seeking that. And one of the greats probably made the biggest impact on the business that I was running at the time, you know, and, and, and how do we go from millions of losses to a profit in two years was a quote by Marcus Buckingham from his book, The One Thing You Need to Know. It's the difference between managing and leading. And the quote is, clarity is the antidote to anxiety. Hmm. And we really, you know, built a culture around that quote, you know, and that, you know, I think it's, it's, it is, it's about seeking clarity. It's about, you know, who's your who, uh, you know, what's that one thing you're trying to solve? What is it? Does that, does that translate to your culture? I mean, before I'm even talking about reaching my audience and all that stuff, is there alignment within my culture and clarity of who we are? Are we all in one step here? And so we established this whole culture around clarity is the antidote to anxiety. And, you know, when people would come to me, um, I always try to empower them with like, come to me with solutions, not just problems, mm -hmm. because I wanted to empower people. And I wanted to be able to because nine times out of 10, I'd be like, great, go. I mean, it's why I hired you to do this. You're so much better at what you do than I could ever do. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so, you know, come to me with solutions. But when people came to me and they said, I have a clarity question, that meant stop, you know, stop everything because that meant there's anxiety and anxiety means lack of productivity, morale, the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. Right. And so really, I mean, it's so critical to have clarity and to be consistent with that. You know, we talk about how do we stand out? You know, I mean, we, we talk about the search side of things digitally, but how do we stand out when people are on their smartphones, devices, you know, scrolling, you know, 72 feet a day with their thumbs? 
mm-hmm. consuming 5.7 words per second. They're not even retaining that. Mm-hmm. How do we stand out? Well, I think we've got to be clear and we've got to be consistent, have clarity. And so clarity is the antidote to anxiety is something that you know I see all the time that I see a lack of. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so easy to get mission drift and everything else, all these other popular terms that we hear these right. days, right? But, you know, what's the one thing? Who are you? And what's the one thing that uh, you're trying to solve? That's your lane, mm-hmm. you know? And then we're going to continue to innovate over time, you know, as technology things, you know, go where it's going. We've got to continue to always be innovating, but let's innovate smart, you know, in a smart right. way. That right. makes sense. We get back to the luxuries and the necessities conversation we had earlier, but let's stay in our lane. This is yeah, what, people get scared to get out of their lane because well, they don't want to be just in one lane because they think if they do one thing specific, they're going to lose out on everybody else. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's not for everybody else. Whatever you're doing is, is for a, a specific group of people, a specific demographic of people. It's not for everybody. Absolutely. Who are you and, and, you know, and what are you trying to solve? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the process where I'm at. So I'm looking back at 25 years of, of career, traveling the world, speaking in places like Beirut, Hong Kong, and all those places, and running businesses. And here I am going into my 50th year on planet Earth and spending a lot of time of just like, what is the one thing that, you know, I do better than anyone else? You know, in, in a way of just my giftings and what's my purpose here on, on planet Earth and, and pairing that with, you know, what am I trying to solve? What's the one thing I want to solve? Mm-hmm. What's the one thing that when I wake up in the morning, I'm obsessed with? Not in an unhealthy way. Right. You know, because I think they got to have balance in life. That's the other right. thing I would tell businesses. You got to have balance. Right. It's so easy to become human doings in this life, but we fail to be human beings. You got to have balance, right? Otherwise, what's the point of it? You know, it's life's a blur. Our kids grow right. up and we don't remember a thing. Mm-hmm. And so well, you I heard you once say, don't, don't die on a hill that's not worth dying on. Oh, yeah. And, and when we're chasing relevance and, and living a life that we were never meant to live, I mean, it's easy to do those things. Right. We're offended by everything, you know? And so to me, it's like clarity, knowing who you are, having that balance, you know, but that's where I want to go in life, you know? I mean, that's traveling light. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going to make the most impact. But, but what what do I get up when I wake up in the morning? What is it that I'm just like I'm obsessed with solving? I always remember there is a, a, a nonprofit, a large nonprofit here in uh, the in Oregon, the Portland area that does medical work around the world. Mm-hmm. And when you go to their, their corporate offices, there's a long and kind of like a like a winding hallway to the uh, to the corporate office where the the leaders are. And the one, the leader, he, he, he said every time he would show up at work in the morning, he would start seeing the pictures on the wall of the people they were helping around the world. He says every single time, by the time he got to the second picture, he felt his pace pick up. He started almost like jogging a little bit because he couldn't wait to get into his office and get to work. You know, clarity. And that's a feeling that not very many people have in their life. Not just wanting to get to work, but wanting to get to work faster so they could do it more. Yeah. And most people wake up and they don't want to get up. Because They're I like, think. They don't want to get up because it's Monday. They dread it. Yeah. So, they live for the weekend. Yeah, that morning meeting. So it's like, so when our whys are tethered to a false sense of our who, we will never find lasting satisfaction. It's never too late. As long as you have breath in your lungs, it's never too late to find that purpose, to find yourself and find what you were meant to do on planet Earth. What, do you, what wakes you up in the morning? Mm-hmm. Find that clarity. Is that what you're doing with your business? Is it clear? Is it focused? Is everybody, is there alignment with your team? Go there. Rising tide lifts all boats when we have clarity to direct our path. Hmm. Wow. That's right. It's all about mindset. Mindset, right. mindset, mindset. It's, it's a 
reoccurring theme yeah. with us. So if somebody, if a business owner wants to get a hold of you and they want to talk about getting some help, getting some coaching, or if they want you to come speak in an event or anything like that, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, you can find me on social media, you know, the main places, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, you know, at Gunnar Simmonson. And we'll probably have that in the uh, the, the show notes and mm-hmm. stuff there. You'll have my spelling, G-U-N-A-R, right? That's right, certain coffee shops. Sometimes I get E-R, sometimes I get, you know, Dennis and things like that. But would love to, would love to connect with any businesses right now we're spending a lot of time talking about goals as lifestyle and just some of the stuff that's gone on in my life and that I've learned about you know disciplines and goals and achieving those things and so mm-hmm. would love to connect with anyone perfect all right well thank you for being with Thanks, us today Danny. and thank you Matt as always and we'll see you guys on the next episode this has been digital marketing masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marco For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Next week, we have a powerful episode about how to take charge of your brand and how to make the shift from rented land to your own online property when we chat with Yifat Cohen. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.